0: So, hello everyone in podcast world. Alright, the video's going. There we go. We're reading from Medical Apartheid by Harriet A. Washington this week. Um, and you're watching this in my support group. This is not going to be free. I only put one of these out for YouTube. If you're watching this, then you know you... Behind the paywall, all right, let's continue. In mid April 2001, Socrates University's Lubin Center hosted a program on forensic genetic technology, moderated by television journalist Katherine Cryer, and with a panel of experts that included NYU sociology professor Troy Duster and Howard Safer, the police commissioner of New York City under Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. safest new, oh no, you know what? I think I did this already. Uh, let's do this. Bear with me if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, I put my bookmark in the wrong place. Alright. Sickle cell misstep. That's where we want to go. That's where we want to go. African Americans are no strangers to genetic innovation. But unfortunately, genetic therapy has long been sabotaged by racial myths and bad science. The agenda driven nature of much genetic research with African Americans has rendered much I'm sorry, many blacks wary of all genetic science, one of the most infamous examples within recent memory has been the family of troubled genetic initiatives surrounding sickle cell disease. Chapter six described how in 1910, cardiologist James B. Herrick, MD, and Ernest E. Irons first identified the then elongated sickle-shaped red blood cells of Desperately ill 22-year-old dental student from Grenada. A year later, Virginia Medical Journal published a description of a 25-year-old black woman with similar symptoms. Soon, reports of African Americans with sickle cell anemia, a constellation of dire conditions ascribed to misshapen sickled red blood cells, began to flood the medical journals. When people with the disorder are exposed to environmental insults, such as low-oxygen environments, their red blood cells deform into a sickle-shaped and become adhesive, sabotaging the cell's ability to carry sufficient oxygen and causing them to block small blood vessels, including capillaries. These events trigger excruciatingly painful episodes, known as sickle cell crisis. A sickle cell crisis can generate not merely anemia, but also bleeding ulcer strokes, a heart attack, and a loss of limbs and tissue. Depending upon the location and the compromised blood vessels, thus physicians often prefer the term sickle cell disease, pointing out that most of the sufferer's worst medical crises have little to do with the anemia. By 1920, an erroneous belief had become firmly entrenched that sickle cell disease was a racially condition, a racial condition that struck only African Americans. However, it also affects people from Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, and West African regions, but not those from South African and East Asian regions. I had a sister with sickle cell. She she passed away um, very early. She didn't live... Uh, she lived until her 50s, I believe Joanne was. She might have been older than that. I think she was in her 50s. But she had sickle cell and um, she took care of herself sometimes, sometimes. But at the end, she didn't really eat the way she was supposed to and exercise the way she was supposed to. And she lost her sight having my nephew. It was too much of a trauma on her body with the sickle cell. From what I remember, I was a child. I didn't, you know, Um, and so she lost her sight. But she always wore glasses She always had But we were so impoverished That you know it, It's Glasses I wore glasses As a young person That is It's a mess man Poverty man When you're poor Don't have children Just don't <laughs> I'm sorry Just don't do it After the supposed Post-war con- conquest Of infectious disease Via Antibiotics And after the discovery Of DNA's Double healing helical structure in 1951, genetics gained primacy as a prominent mode of understanding and attacking disease. In 1949, sickle cell anemia became the very first molecular disease to be identified. Scientists learned that sickle cell anemia was the worst of several sickle cell disorders and that it struck one in every 400 African American newborns. They also knew that sickle cell disease and a slew of closely related blood disorders called hemoglobin hemoglobin pathies pathies, struck not only blacks, but also persons of other races. For example, one such blood disease, thalassemia, affects people of Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, and African extraction, but sickle cell anemia's identity as a black disease was so firmly entrenched that blacks with um, thalassemia are still often misdiagnosed with sickle cell disease. This is the doctors y'all trust so much. (laughs) I don't understand. Sickle cell disease is recessive. A person must carry two of the recessive genes for sickle cell disease to develop the illness. People with only one sickle cell gene are said to be heterozygotes or carriers that means you have the traits i have a little sister with the traits who are essentially well but if two heterozygotes for sickle cell disease marry their offspring run a one in four chance of developing the disease if a carrier marries a person without the gene none of their children will develop sickle cell disease but their children run one in two chance of becoming carriers themselves Carriers of sickle cell disease are sometimes referred to as having sickle cell traits. But despite the connotation of illness, that word trait carries they are well. Because the potential for confusion, this chapter avoids the term sickle cell trait whenever possible. By the late 1960s, workplaces instituted gen- genetic screening. Ostensibly to protect vulnerable employees by avoiding their placement in work environments that could trigger illness such as sickle cell crisis. The federal government supported initiatives that encourage widespread genetic screening of sickle cell disease, and African Americans themselves pushed for many of these initiatives to test for the counsel people to test for and counsel people at risk for sickle cell disease. So there is no doubt that many of the projects were well-intentioned. However, some were not. And in many cases, good intentions paved the medical road to perdition. Sickle cell screening created a huge problem, recalls Vernelia Randall, professor of law at Dayton University. Airlines, for example, said pilots with traits couldn't fly. Why not? if they were healthy. In 1968, 1969, doctors at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas grew concerned that army basic training was suddenly proving more than usual usually hazardous, even deadly. Within 11 months, four recruits had collapsed and died suddenly, all of them black. Even more alarming were the autopsy results that showed the men's red blood cells were now sickle-shaped. The soldiers were black, and the high altitude of the boot camp, 4,060 feet, suggested that the deaths might have been due to sickle cell disease crisis triggered by low oxygen environment, characteristic of high altitudes. But the New England Journal of Medicine reported that the men's death noted that the sickle cell didn't necessarily mean that the men had sickle cell disease, because the misshapen cells could have been a consequence, not the cause, of their deaths. When the National Academy of Sciences studied the deaths, it could neither rule out sickle cell anemia nor prove that it had killed the men. But the U.S. Air Force Academy rushed to judge promptly, issuing a directive barring the admission of all black sickle cell carriers. Healthy people carriers were permanently grounded, were banned from co-piloting and were reduced to ground jobs, anything to reduce us. We can be in the army, we could be cannon fodder, we can be that, but they don't want us to, Air Force, no. It is worth noting that banning black carriers from admission, the academy was affecting a large restoration of its long-standing, nakedly race based race-based ban on blacks entering the academy, but now it could offer the rationale of protecting them. Strangely, scientists as well as laypersons confuse well sickle cell carriers with the homozygotes who had both genes for sickle cell disease and therefore had the disease. However, this confusion was no accident. It resulted in profits for Ortho Pharmaceutical Company of McNeil Laboratories, the company that sold the so-called sickle cell screening test which did not differentiate between the sickle cell trait and sickle cell disease, Ortho was promoting and distributing a test it called sick, sickle that could not discriminate between sickle cell carriers and people with sickle cell disease. That is, sickle-dex detected the presence of the gene, but not whether one or two genes existed. In order to market the test, employers, military hospitals, and the government extended to carriers the same device, I'm sorry, advice and restrictions that apply to people genuinely ill with sickle cell anemia. Otherwise, these agencies would have had to admit that the test was of extremely limited therapeutic value because it could not tell a sick person from a well person. The National Institut- Institutes of Health, Hospital, and Private Organizations disseminated brochures and booklets equating carrier status with the disease, and millions of well-black people were informed that they were ill and genetically tainted. Some were told that they had a life expectancy of 20 years. The very first sentence of the preamble of the National Sickle Cell Anemia Control Act enacted in 1972 to foster sickle cell research, screening, counseling, and education, is untrue. Two million Americans suffer from sickle cell disease. Actually, two million people were healthy carriers. And fewer than 100,000 Americans suffered from sickle cell anemia. The erroneous claim, coupled with the, its constantly reinforced perception of sickle cell disease as a black disorder, left Americans with the mistaken impression that a good portion, one in 12, of African Americans suffered from sickle cell anemia. The perception of sickle cell heterozygosity as a disease state is an eloquent illustration of ethnocentrism because far from being unhealthy, this carrier status confers the distinct biological advantage of immunity to the deadliest strain of malaria. This helps sickle cell carriers in malarious areas to survive. At the English International Congress of Genetics in 1949, evolutionary biologist J.B.S. Haldane um, first proposed that people with one gene for sickle cell disease were more resistant to attacks from the spirozia or sporosa that caused malaria. In parts of Africa and other countries where malaria-carrying mosquitoes thrive, people who have one gene for sickle cell anemia and one gene for normal hemoglobin are not only healthier than people with sickle cell anemia, but also healthier than people without the trait. Those with normal hemoglobin being a heterozygote for sickle cell anemia protects one from invasion by the deadly P. falciparum strain of malaria in several ways. A form of malaria parasite, the plasmodium, infects the person's red blood cells. But in the heterozygotes, the plasmodium causes only the infected red blood cells to sickle by making the cell environment more acidic. This increased acidity, in turn, makes the hemoglobin lose oxygen, which further escalates the sickling of the infected cells. However, the resulting lack of oxygen also depletes the infected cells of potassium, which kills the malaria parasite. Any surviving parasites are picked up by the person's immune system. And sickle cells are, sickled cells are taken out of the uh, circulation, destroyed, and eliminated from the body along with parasites. The uninfected red blood cells do not sickle, and the person suffers neither from the sickle cell disease nor from the malaria. In malarious environments, sickle cell heterozygotes are 15% more likely to survive and to reproduce than their neighbors uh, with normal hemoglobin. This is called a heterozygote advantage, and it helps to explain why the common the denominator for groups carrying the sickle cell gene is not being black, but living in proximity of the malaria-bearing anophilus mosquito. Other genetic diseases that also are thought to confer a, a heterozygote advantage include cystic fibrosis, the most common genetic disease among people of European descent which protects against the fatal dehydration of cholera and typhoid. And scientists have suggested that heterozygotes for Tay-Sachs disease, which preferentially strikes Ashkenazi Jews, may enjoy increased protection against tuberculosis. Today, the United States sees about only 1,000 cases of malaria annually so that the heterozygotes' advantage is not terribly useful to a North American except for travels, travelers to malaria areas and as an object lesson in the interplay among genetics, disease, and culture. African Americans were among those confused by the erroneous medical advice the government was dispensing. Many states mounted compulsory genetic screening programs which, may, which many Blacks welcome, but which caused others, including genetic experts, to feel stigmatized. For example, James Bowman, M.D., an African-American professor of genetics at the University of Chicago, was the lone voice carrying out in the genetic wilderness when he was invited to address a 1971 Black Panthers event. Their sickle cell screening was being conducted by community leaders who who warned that anyone who tested positive could expect to live only 20 years longer. Bowman forcefully objected that the testing was unable to identify the genuinely ill and that in any case, the clinical picture was far from dire or far less dire. Despite Bowman's credentials and protests, the black and white organizers persisted in the erroneous testing and counseling. People don't talk about the Black Panthers hospital program and food program. They talk a little bit about the food program, but not a lot of they don't talk at all about the free clinics they had. Yeah, we had free we had universal health care in the 70s. At least in our community. 17 states enacted sickle cell screening laws, often in response to requests from African Americans. But Black Americans did not clamor for workplace screenings, which threatened privacy and raised questions that could create a genetic underclass of workers. In 1971, about 900 diseases were known to be genetic, yet screening tests could identify the carriers of only 50 genetic diseases. However, screening for sickle cell was the genetic test performed most often by employers. By 1975, tens of thousands had been screened for Tay-Sachs and thalassemia, but half a million blacks had been screened for sickle cell disease. In the name of eugenics, a social history of genetics by Daniel um, Kevles notes, no one argued seriously for the screening of every possible parent but some did urge the screening of people from groups at comparatively high risk for particular genetic disease diseases notably blacks the national institutes of health policy and publications focus exclusively on African Americans solidifying sickle cell um Sickle Cell Anemia in American Psyche as a Black Disease. Unfortunately, the government policy still confused the disease state with being a carrier. Screenings were performed en masse at a variety of sites in an assembly line fashion with gender-driven inaccurate counseling. When screenings revealed that a person carried the trait for sickle cell disease, that information was dumped upon her. She was informed she was sick. Given a brochure that erroneously equated the disease with the trait, then often dismissed without further support or answers except for the one piece of advice that was always dispensed. The inevitability of marriage between two people with traits because they could produce children with sickle cell anemia. We used to do that. I remember as a teenager growing up, when I was dating, I would, oh shoot, I think I lost the page. I would always um I would always ask the person um if they had sickle cell. We would ask each other um who had sickle cell and who didn't. Oh shoot, I think I lost my page. I think we're here. Um Yeah, but we would um ask each other, do you have the traits? Do you have the traits? And if two people had the traits, they would always talk about, well, we, can we get married? Can we have children? Things like that. I, I remember this as a young man, my late teens, early 20s. We did do stuff like that. Um, Yeah, that's what we left on. Um, genetic counselors who had dispensed pointed advice along with diagnosis since the nineteen fifties were supposed to merely was supposed merely to provide diagnosis and disease information, but they still practiced virtually unregulated, and many recommended abortion on the basis of testing that could not discern the trait from the disease for at risk couples who conceived at that time recalls vanilla randall the advice with pregnancy termination some view these as attempts to limit the fertility of blacks discrimination against sickle cell carriers has been slow to dissip to dissipate lagging well behind scientific knowledge u.s air force academy's admission bar and grounding the heterozygotes pilots for example was ended only in nineteen eighty one by lawsuit, you still can't get in the um I had a niece that was in the Air Force uh, I don't think she was in the pilot program, but um I think she could have got in but wanted to do the other stuff, but then she left it altogether but it's hard for black people to get in the Air Force, and it's hard for you to do anything other than grounds work when you're in there, every black person I know that was in the Air Force. They didn't do, they didn't fly. So, um, and I want to ask one of them, you know, but it's touchy asking black people when talking to black people about social reality and political realities is, is, you can't do it. Um, They're so disconnected from it and, and, and it's painful, I guess. I don't know why they're not doing it to themselves, but. It's painful for people, so you know you can't really talk about it anyway. We're going to um, continue reading from Medical Apartheid this week and next week. We're going to have a different book. i I think I'm going to do Regulating the Poor, I'm going to be reading from. So, talk to you then, and um, until next time, remember you can support. The podcast, if you're listening, direct donation, um, hit the links, or become a sponsor. Until next time, take care.